0: All right, what is up? Good citizens of Crypt Nation. We got a big announcement today. We're giving away some free stuff. Who likes free stuff? I know I do. I know Pizza Mind is a big freeloader. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, and he's not even here to defend himself. Today we, uh, we have a special guest. He's the CEO and uh, founder of a company called CoinMine. And these are plug and play crypto miners for Bitcoin, Ethereum, all sorts of different cryptos. And we're going to shell one of these puppies out. So in order to be eligible for the giveaway, there's three easy, easy, easy-peasy requirements. Number one, you got to go to www.crypto2020summit.com and register for the free online conference that we're hosting uh, January 29th to 31st of the dates. So go do that right now. Pause the episode. First things first. Get registered for that. Second thing, you got to make sure that you're following us on Twitter. That is at Crypto101Pod. And if you don't have a Twitter, well, you better go make a Twitter because you won't be eligible to win without a Twitter. Uh, And the third thing is you got to retweet our pinned post, which is at the top of our page. So if you do those three things, you are entered for the chance to win your very own, super easy to use, CoinMine1, and you could finally call yourself a real deal crypto miner. And that's something to be proud of. The official winner will be announced on the pod on December 2nd on that Monday's episode and you will have directions on how to claim your prize. So Crypt Nation, if you've done those three things, it's time to kick back, relax and enjoy this awesome episode on crypto mining with Farbud Nivi, the CEO and founder of CoinMine. Farbood. Thank you for joining us today, my man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So stoked to jump into the 101 on crypto mining. I mean, this is, it really, really is the end all be all of cryptocurrency. Without miners, um, none of us would have existed in the first place. They're the ones that bootstrap the network. They're the ones that, you know, protect us, right? So what is a crypto miner? What is cryptocurrency mining? Give us the 101.
1: Uh, sure. So, you know, at CoinMine, we try to keep things super simple. Uh, mining is a is a type of computation. Uh, you know, there's l- lots of types of computation that that a processor could do, uh, and in crypto, there's multiple types of computation that actually go on. Uh, mining is one of them, and, and and it's you know sort of the one of the one of the first types of computation that was involved in crypto. Uh, so, crypto mining is you know the process of you know. Uh, generating new blocks on the blockchain of some crypto protocol. Uh, And if you are the one to sort of uh, find the the, the next block first, you're rewarded with some cryptocurrency. So uh, in a really basic relationship, uh, you plug in a computer into your electricity. uh, Your electricity turns into computation uh, and your computation helps secure uh, this network. Uh, and in exchange for helping secure the network, you're rewarded with that network's cryptocurrency. Uh, so today, most people who are you know, participating in mining are doing it in, in a pool, for example, uh, running just like one single G- Bitcoin ASIC miner at home. You'll probably never find a block and you'll, you know, it, it might take 10 million years for you to find a block. So what you do instead is you'll join a pool. Uh, and when you get a bunch of these little things pooled together and you put their computation together, uh, the pool can actually win blocks. And then what it does is sort of split up that Bitcoin or different you know, crypto that it earns with the different people who shared their computation. So even if you're not you know, winning the block yourself, you can still contribute to securing a network and receive that network's crypto for your computation. I don't know if that's what you were asking. No, that's
0: that's perfect. So you would say probably the average way that a consumer like me and Pizza Mind or any anybody part of Crypt Nation here, uh, they would get involved by being part of a pool. And so does CoinMine, if I'm running a CoinMine miner, is that uh, – contributing to the coin mine pool or what does that work, look like? Yeah, that, that, that's right.
1: So, uh, you know, and this can, this can change based on what protocol that you're running. Part of the reason we designed the coin mine the way we did is to uh, make it a more generalized crypto device. You know, people are obviously focused on the mining. It's one of the first things it does, uh, you know, and, and, and it was the first thing it did out the gate, mining a few different proof of work networks. Um, but, you know, soon we'll be launching uh, uh, additional networks, most of them proof of work for now. Uh, the device ships with the full Bitcoin blockchain, so we'll turn on uh, the Bitcoin node and the Lightning node later this year, probably. Um, we plan on Thanks. We plan on making it a full bit, uh, BTC pay server, so you can basically be your own bank with your coin mine. Um you know, there's, there's more and more things that are, you know, we're talking to a few other uh, protocols that uh, uh, do things that, you know, you could essentially, you can imagine a coin mine with a Gotenna in it uh, that allows it to have some wider range. Uh, now you can build a sort of a sovereign mesh network um, of information and money transfer. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of things you can do with the device. And first and foremost, it, it, it mines crypto up with a pool.
2: That was really fascinating. Thank you. Usually crypto mining is a very hard thing to get into, but the CoinMine 1, it's literally so simple. It takes 10 minutes. The instruction steps are three steps long. You don't have to plug it into a monitor. It's controlled by your phone. Would you say that crypto mining is for everyone? Uh, Or is it really still just kind of a select few that uh, are going to be involved in it? You know, that
1: that that's a good question. You know, I, I, I think crypto is for everyone. I, I look at this as a, a, a large platform ship for, for the Internet. Uh, now, does everyone in the world have a smartphone? No. But is the smartphone for everyone? Yes. Uh, you know, does everyone in the world have a coin mine yet? No. Uh, but is it for everyone? Yeah, it, it's made for everyone. Uh, so, you know, obviously it depends on each person's own uh desire to, to, to participate in the
0: future or not. You know, there are cultures like the Amish people who, you know. <laughs> well, I, I think that brings up a really good point uh, because remember back in the day when uh, Segwit2x was coming around and we had this whole user-activated soft fork event, that was 2017, and the only way that, you know, the users kind of vetoed the miners was because they were running full nodes and they, could, and they could have a voice. So it's actually super, super, super important that people are running full nodes. So this is kind of a two-part question. In context of that event, since it was so historic and it's pretty recent and fresh in our memories, um, could you talk about the difference between a full node and a mining node and why you know, running a full node is important and why you know, part of CoinMine's mission is to get full nodes in the hands of every Bitcoin user?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. And um, so if you look at the distribution of mining uh, versus validating nodes, uh, and I'm I'm assuming you're kind of referencing the the validating nodes when you sort of talk about the full nodes as opposed to the non-mining ones, Uh, the the distribution is kind of interesting. The the bulk of the mining hash power uh, is centered in Asia, uh, mainly China. Um, The the bulk of the the validating uh, computation power uh, right? Because validating is is another type of computation in crypto. Uh, mining is a type of computation. Validating is a type of computation. Um, on lightning network, routing is a type of computation. And watchtowering will be a type of computation. In staking, staking is a type of computation. So yeah, crypto, right? Uh, so uh, in terms of validating nodes, and, and so the validating nodes are actually concentrated more in Europe and North America. So there's this interesting global aspect to Bitcoin, but there is also a little bit of, you know, bucketing. Uh, so we, we see a lot of mining going on in Asia and uh, particularly in China. We see a bulk of the validating nodes happening elsewhere. Uh, you're not really earning anything in terms of crypto for running just the node. You're not earning, you're not being given Bitcoin for it, whereas the miners are. Uh, so, you know, Bitcoin is um, uh, one of the things I like a uh, that Nassim Taleb says, is he kind of describes it as, as a genie that got out of the bottle. Um, and it, once it's out, it can never be put back in. Uh, and the other sort of big aspect of crypto uh, is a lot of game theory, right? And how these different aspects of this network pull on each other and maintain this tension such that, you know, no party controls it entirely um, and no party is particularly incented to destroy it. Uh, so, you know, I- even for us, that-, that whole, you know, Bitcoin block ch- block size war is really relevant. So uh, one of my um, uh, friends and sort of uh, people I really look up to in, in crypto, uh, Balaji Srinivasan, who was recently CTO of Coinbase, he was also one of our first checks. Um, I think he's one of the, you know, the brightest minds in the space, if not just one of the b- brightest minds in general. And, uh, you know, when they were doing 21.com, which was sort of the, you know, one of the predecessors to CoinMine in a way, they pivoted away from 21.com. And it's amazing how fast the crypto world works, uh, because this was just a few years ago, right? Uh, They pivoted away from 21 into Earn.com because this was actually sort of during the time of the block size wars. And there was two things that kind of caused them to do this. One, they didn't want to be in the middle of the block size wars. Uh, but two, and this is actually the more amazing uh, one. I think when you think about it now, they weren't convinced that a multi coin world was here to stay. And of course, they are now. Of course, he is now, and I, I am as well. Uh, and so, if they were convinced that a multi coin world was here to stay, uh, they probably would have never shut down Twenty One Com. Uh, so, I don't know if that answered your question or went.
0: Yeah, no, that that was perfect, and you know, that super relevant and. I kind of also want to, we definitely want to touch on the game theory behind crypto mining, because that's like the most interesting thing, in my opinion, out of everything in cryptocurrency. But before we get there, um, I kind of want to talk about the evolution of mining. So back in the day, people would be able to run their MacBook on their CPU and mine 50 Bitcoin. And it was like nothing. And then um, as more miners came on the network, you know, the difficulty adjusts and what every two weeks or something, right? Difficulty adjusts based on how many miners are there. So paint a picture for for the audience of what crypto mining was like back in the day and how with the evolution of ASICs and out it's a trillion, or not trillion, it's like, you know, billions and billions of dollar industry. Like you've been in it since the beginning. What's the differences between 2011 mining and 2019 mining?
1: Yeah, there's differences and there's similarities. So, you know, in, in 2010, 2011, you can mine Bitcoin on your laptop, um, which is really cool. Uh, you were still called a crazy person uh, by your friends. Uh, you, you were told that you were wasting a perfectly good laptop. Uh, let's not you know, nobody in 2010 and 2011 was thinking about $10,000 Bitcoin and $15,000 Bitcoin. Uh, so generally, you were probably considered a nut who was wasting their electricity because it wasn't ROI positive on your electricity.
0: Right. Because the Bitcoin had no value. So they were mining these things that, you know, okay, cool. I have 50 things, but whatever, just toss them.
1: Yeah. You'll spend 10,000 of them on a pizza. So, um, you were wasting money. Uh, you were basically, you know, running a computer into the ground. That was a perfectly useful computer. So I don't know why you're wasting this and destroying this computer by just running it at its full speed constantly. Um, but it turns out you, uh, if you held on to that Bitcoin for a few more years, uh, and in fact, if you've held on to Bitcoin for any three-year period in its entire history, you always made money on the Bitcoin. So take any three-year. That's period, a great statistic. Yeah, it's really interesting, right? Uh, and and that's why I think it's important to think about you know, uh, and a lot of people talk about this you know having a low time preference when it comes to Bitcoin or when it comes to crypto in general. Um, but if you held your Bitcoin for any three-year period, you always made money. Uh, so if you did that back in the day, uh, then you probably did pretty well. Uh, and you were no longer a crazy who was wasting their money. Uh, so I actually think in many ways there's similarities between that and today. Uh, so Grin is an example that I use. Grin launched earlier this year. I think of Grin as the closest thing to Bitcoin since Bitcoin. Yeah. Uh, and Grin launched earlier this year. Uh, and on a device like the coin mine, for example, uh, I think it's currently pulling about almost a grin every 7 to 10 days. So I think it's a similar situation. If you're bullish on grin, right now I think it's probably trading at anywhere between $1 to $3. At one point it was up to $6. If you think it gets to $30, $100, $300, uh, and you have that you know, 1 to 3-year time preference and you use your coin mine to keep mining grin, Uh, you'll make thousands or tens of thousands of dollars on your coin mob.
0: Wowza. (laughs) You hear that, Crypt Nation? You should sign up for the giveaway because this could potentially be life-changing amounts of money.
1: It could be, potentially, is a good way to put it. Um, And just like in 2010 and 2011, you could say that mining Bitcoin on your laptop could be potentially uh, a life-changing thing. Uh, So, you know, Bitcoin... uh, all, all things have their life cycle. Uh, uh, Bitcoin has it. All cryptos do. All technologies do. Uh, all, all living beings and planets and galaxies do as well. So uh, in Bitcoin's life cycle, it was the earliest. And it's, you know, so far sort of grown to be the most powerful, most secure uh, database in the world by far. Uh, and part of how that happened was that people figured out how to make chips that were just sort of specific to that Calculation that Bitcoin is doing. So, on a, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, people speak mostly colloquially around these terms like ASICs and FPGAs and CPUs and GPUs. Uh, There's a lot more sort of overlap uh, when you talk about it from an industry perspective uh, than when we talk about it um, from, you know, just the crypto world. So, you can look at it this way, sort of in in a general case. If you have CPUs over here, uh, they're sort of like the most generalized compute. Um, Then you have uh, GPUs that are a little bit more specific in the type of compute they do. So they do that type of computing, specifically graphics processing, better in terms of how much electricity has to be spent to accomplish the computation than a CPU does. Uh, Then you move over to FPGA, which stands for Field Programmable Gate Array. Now, an FPGA is... Something that was developed by the U.S. military—it's essentially a blank slate processor. So, uh, with a firmware upgrade and a and a restart of the processor, you can turn an FPGA into any sort of like specific type of processor that is designed for a specific type of computation. And then on the extreme end, you have ASICs, uh, which are application-specific. Right. So they do one single type of computation, but they are the most efficient at that. They're more efficient at that computation than an FPGA probably will be, more than a GPU and more than a CPU. But they have no generalizability.
0: So in Bitcoin's case, you have ASICs that are mostly built by Bitmain, I suppose, and maybe a couple other guys. Others, yeah. um, and they're doing only SHA-256 hashes. Is that right? Yeah. SHA-256, another thing developed by the US. Well, not military, the NSA. Whoa.
1: Did not know that. <laughs> yeah. All the, the Shaw algorithms were developed by the NSA and made public.
2: As you mentioned earlier, you you said something about running hardware into the ground. And that is the biggest risk, in my opinion, of mining is you really burn out this stuff. And a lot of it has to do with um, you're trying to get the maximum amount of efficiency out of your hardware. At least that's the game theory behind a. Uh, A lot of mining rigs that are built is really just pushing these things. Uh, GPUs were really cheap. I mean, they would just burn through them in like six months. And that happens due to the surge in electricity, due to the heat, and basically forcing uh, this hardware to do something it was not designed to do. When you guys designed the coin mine, I know you had this in mind. What is the risks of mining with a coin mine versus a traditional rig? What is you know the expected lifespan of a coin mine? Are there spare parts or replacements available?
1: Yeah, good question. Uh, when you say traditional rig, just to make sure I'm understanding what you mean.
2: Like a 6GPU open air rig.
1: Okay. Uh, so, you know, the coin mine is warrantied for a year. Um, if anything goes wrong with it in the year, we'll, we'll replace it um, or fix it for you. Um, it is obviously designed to try and increase its life, to keep its lifespan as long as possible. So. Uh, trying to push less electricity through it to do more computation for example um also the thermodynamics of the 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 casing and everything are designed to uh, keep it as cool as possible while keeping it as quiet as possible
2: i guess what are the risks that people need to be aware of before they get involved in crypto mining
1: i mean there's a lot of risks I, i think the simplest way to put it is you know uh i think we're still in a world where you should not invest money in buying crypto or you know, crypto mining or running a lightning node or anything really in crypto, uh, I don't personally recommend, uh, you know, this is not financial advice, but I don't think you should spend money you can't afford to lose.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a great word. That's what we, uh, we definitely tell all of uh, our crusaders of Crypt Nation here to not, uh, not go overboard. You know what I'm saying? Put yourself into financial risk. Um, it's, it's still very early.
1: Um, And that's the safest way to participate in the most parts of things possible uh, and and sort of learn and grow as crypto grows to become the, you know, the next platform for the world. So, you know, if you, you know, you shouldn't spend your last dollars on anything in crypto, in my humble opinion. Uh, Or or anything
2: outside of crypto, for that matter. I know the iPhone 11 is just coming out and people are taking pre-orders. But do you really need a new iPhone? Yeah. Or would you rather secure a Bitcoin network, which is changing the world yeah. and make some potentially
3: life changing? Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the UFI video lock, a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all in one. Recordings. they're always recorded locally and you will always have access. Customer support for the Eufy Video Lock is 24/7, so you don't have to worry about any issues you have and it comes with an 18-month warranty. What I love about this product is it is it's truly all in one with the 3-in-1. You don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Eufy Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y, Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y, Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door.
4: That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes.
5: Changing money over time.
1: Yeah, I think the um, I I think you know it's interesting. People are always talk about you know invest in this or invest in that. You know it's it's obviously tough to make investment decisions. You can't actually uh, and literally uh, compare uh, pairwise every opportunity cost in the known universe of what to do with your, your money, right? Uh, start a business, invest in Bitcoin, uh, mine Bitcoin—just uh, obviously, there's anything, and everybody has their own uh, personal risk profile. Uh, everyone has, you know, sort of, you know, what they're looking to accomplish with their lives. Uh, and, and I really agree with your point with Bitcoin. I, I call Bitcoin and crypto uh, a new type of technology. And if you want to uh, geek, geek out about it, uh, um, they really are the first steps into. what are are known as essentially layer eight and layer nine of the internet, uh, which are the finance and governance layers. And uh, Bitcoin, I think, is the first step uh, into those new layers, which are sort of the above the application layer that we sort of understand as the internet and the web itself. And this is all actually predicted quite some time ago uh, by this badass woman named uh, Evie Nemeth, uh, who was uh, sort of known as the uh, mother of system administration and she, she literally wrote the books on Linux and Unix administration uh, and she's so badass that she uh, uh, disappeared at sea while she was sailing around the world I think by herself uh, so that is nuts yeah it's kind of it's kind of a crazy uh, story and she was really prescient and, and uh, she added sort of in, in her view layer eight and nine to the OSI model of the internet uh, the Internet's not technically built on the OSI model. It's just built on TCPIP, which also the U.S. Uh, government and I think probably military and Department of Defense invented TCPIP. Um, There's your tax dollars at work. But uh, the OSI model is a, more of a conceptual framework for understanding how uh, the technology stack and the humans uh, interact with each other and, and the function of those different uh, you know, sort of layers of the internet. Uh, so this was predicted a long time ago, uh, and I call layer eight, and, and and if you kind of go from the beginning, uh, the first layers of the internet were very difficult to use, or really only academic people could use it. Uh, what we call the application layer is what, like, consumers and, well, first business started using it, uh, and then consumers and, you know, personal use uh, came to the application layer. Uh, and now that we're in layer eight and nine, we're starting to move into those layers, uh, I call those layers uh, citizen technology. Uh, and the the reason, the reason I use the word citizen is because uh, the, it implies at least two things. One, the individual, which I think is very important. Uh, but two, it also implies society. Um, so when you're running Bitcoin node or you're mining Bitcoin or another sort of decentralized protocol like Bitcoin, you're actually doing it, you could do it for personal reasons, like a personal reason to... to participate in Bitcoin is to send and receive Bitcoin between you and other people that you know. Uh, a business reason to participate in Bitcoin is because the asset could accumulate in value uh, and you, you it would be worth more to you. Uh, and then the citizen purpose of participating in Bitcoin is that you're literally building a part of the infrastructure of society that it needs to run. Uh, and instead of sort of offloading that to a third party, like the government, for example, Uh, where you are indirectly uh, participating, Uh, you are directly creating the infrastructure for society to run when you're participating in Bitcoin. And that, to me, is what I call citizen tech.
2: That's an incredible um, explanation of just how important it is to participate in the Bitcoin network. It's really the first time in human history that the people of the world have a chance to be in control of the money instead of kings and tyrants and dictatorships. And I say that over and over again, but I can't stress it enough what an enormous opportunity this is. And the rest of the world outside the U.S. has already greatly embraced it because they don't have systems that work. They need Bitcoin in order for their society to function the way America's does for the first time. So while we kind of listen to things here and go, yeah, it sounds kind of cool, but do I really need it? Well, guess what? If we don't get on board soon, there's a tsunami coming of the rest of the world and we're going to be left behind if we don't.
1: Yeah, th- that that could very much be the case. It's um it, it, in the in the in the west in the United States in particular we we have the the sort of the rails uh, already for the finance uh, stuff. Um but this is all I think somewhat inevitable, uh, you know, big fan of um uh A- A- Anton I can never pronounce his name but correctly A- 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 Andreas Antonopoulos. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh you know, one of the things that one of my favorite essays of his is essentially uh, talking about how the old rails um, always participate in the new rails. So, uh, you know, he, he said, for example, um, when cars came along, people laughed at them and it was silly uh, because roads weren't paved and there were no gas stations. So, you know, you drive your car along and the All the roads were made for horses, so they were bumpy, and your car goes flat, and you're stuck in the mud, and there's no gas station. So you're just an idiot for, you know, you're a rich idiot for buying this thing. Uh, But later, uh, as the infrastructure caught up, and you you got paved or cobbled roads that cars could drive on, and you got gas stations, interestingly enough, horses could still use these new rails, right? Horses can walk on paved roads, no problem. They probably prefer it. Maybe not. I don't know. Maybe the natural movement movement. Uh, but, you know, the old rails can, can work on the new rails. And I, I think we'll find that to be the case. I, You know, um, there's a great open source lawyer. I can't remember his name. And, you know, Bitcoin, obviously, and a lot of these protocols are, are part of the hist- arc of the history of open source. Um, and uh, he, he called uh, open source a practical revolution because... In, in the '70s and stuff, and particularly in '80s, where open source uh, really began to flourish, uh, you know, every Fortune 500 company laughed at the idea that they would ever use open source technology. Uh, you know, literally, they laughed at it. Uh, and literally, one, you know, 100% of the Fortune 500 is running on open source technologies now, uh, including Apple, including Microsoft. Some of their base kernels uh, were built from you know o- o- open source um, tech. So the reason open source is winning and has won in many ways is because it is a practical revolution. It is just practically better. It's not a violent revolution. It's not a populist revolution. It is a practical revolution. And so I actually think Bitcoin uh, is a similar example. Uh, And when people sort of talk about like, you know, is this going to get nasty? Uh, Possibly. uh, But I tend to think not. I, I, I tend to think crypto and Bitcoin Uh, are a practical revolution and and don't require violence or uh, populism uh, to gain an increase in adoption. And, And so far that's been true.
0: eToro is one of the largest trading platforms in the world with over $1 trillion in trading volume on the platform every year. And they're some of our good friends and they're a great sponsor. U.S. customers can trade the most popular crypto assets and your fees are extremely transparent. So if you're not ready to trade yet, Uh, You could also practice building your portfolio with the eToro virtual trading feature. They give you $100,000 of virtual money and you could start playing around with it and not have to risk any of your real money before you get comfortable with the markets. And best of all, you can connect with 12 million other eToro traders around the world, kind of like a social network for trading, to discuss charts and all things crypto. So go ahead, create an account today at etoro.com slash crypto 101. That helps us, that helps you, that helps them and makes everything possible here if you guys use that link. So guys, start building your portfolio the smart way. Etoro is crypto trading made easy. All right, back to the show. So, so you know, with with the last 10 or so minutes that we have, I want to do... A uh, a deep dive on minor game theory because while we have you, who better to talk about minor game theory than yourself? So, (laughs) the kind of the first question is the age old adage does hash rate precede price? So, that's number question number one. And then, number two is what causes a miner to leave the network and join the network?
1: Yeah, I may have to ask you to repeat the second one, but on the first thing, (laughs) um, I mean, I think if you look at data. Uh, it does not, I think, uh, I, I don't think there is a very strong correlation between the idea that that hash rate precedes price. Um, I think they they have relation, and to some extent, uh, there's just, you know, physical requirements that, that um, have to be met for hash rate versus uh, price is uh, far more liquid. So uh, let me try and maybe explain through some examples. Um, Let's go back to a bad example. Bitcoin price uh, crashed, what, like 80% or whatever crazy amount last uh, November, along with every other crypto. Uh, but what we, we, what we didn't see was an 80% drop in the hash rate. Uh, I think we saw something in the order of a 20 to 30% drop in the hash rate. Uh, now that said, uh, the current hash rate of Bitcoin, I think it's higher than it's ever been. Uh, and yet the price, which has you know returned Quite, quite an amount from its bottom um, is still not up to where it was before. So the hash rate is highest than it's ever been before, but the price is not. Now, that's one thing that sort of happened. Um, another way to sort of think about it is um, price could, you know, go to a million overnight and it could go to zero overnight. Uh, it has the sort of, you know, the, the speed and the liquidity of that is, you know, o- almost infinite, right? Um, hash power can come down very quickly, but it can't come up very quickly. Or at least it cannot come up as fast as it can go down. Because for it to go down, everyone just has to turn off their machines. So like, you know, theoretically speaking, in 24 hours, everybody that's powering Bitcoin could turn off their machine. That's theoretically possible. Uh, But you could not bring 10 times more hash power onto the Bitcoin network overnight um, there may not be enough ASICs and you have to get computers onto the system. So uh, there are some, uh, you know, this is not like a, there's some directions that things move quickly. There's some directions that things can move more slowly. Uh, all these things have relationships with each other, uh, but I don't think they're super simple.
0: No, that that's a really great explanation. Um, love it. Yeah. The, the last thing that miners are going to be selling off is their hardware because it's the least liquid and it's the most difficult thing to sell off right Um, but they're going to sell off their price so it would make sense that hash rate um, drops off the network following the drop in bitcoin price as they sell all their bitcoin They're like okay well now we sold all our bitcoin our liquid assets now we got to start diving into our illiquid assets to start selling and then you see the price fall and that minor capitulation there's a guy plan b 100 trillion usd whatever his name is on twitter who has this great chart of um you know uh, price and hash rate. I'll, I'll share it with uh, with everybody here on Crip Nation. But so the last question was, um, or the last question that I had mentioned was like what what generally uh, causes, actually, no, we kind of already covered that. Co- yeah, that we covered that one. So let's do this. Do you believe that there's a future for proof of stake and will CoinMine be supporting staking in the future?
1: Uh, I think there's a future for proof of stake. There's people running proof of stake what networks successfully. Now uh, have they taken over the world? Not yet. Uh, are they up and running? Yes. Um, I think it's a uh, you know different computation model, a different sort of incentive structure for proof of work. Uh, I, I think in some ways uh, it's not as strong as proof of work, um, and potentially in some ways it may have some some advantages. You know, I, I think to some extent there's a lot of uh, uh, misnomers of, of, of what these different protocols are. You know. Uh, some protocols are trying to become a currency. Bitcoin is, is one of the best examples, uh, is the best example. I think Grin is a great example. Um, you know, Monero and Zcash, I think, you know, uh, are types of currencies are trying to become types of currencies. Filecoin is not trying to become a type of currency. Definity is not trying to become a type of currency. Tezos is not trying to become a type of currency. Uh, those are token-operated networks. Uh, they have a sort of uh, currency layer in their protocol which is kind of cool um, and they are cryptographically protected which you know is, is also cool uh, but they're not trying you know you're never going to really be buying coffee with your file code um so just because i do think it, uh for a currency proof of work is probably what you really want backing it uh,
2: i love that you name drop Definity in here that just warms my soul oh yeah okay.
1: i love those guys uh the um uh, and so I think if you're going to try to be a currency, proof of work is the way to go. Uh, if you're trying to do other types of uh, token-operated networks, decentralized networks, a uh, proof of stake may
0: be fine. Can I, can I uh, I'm going to push back a little bit on that real quick is because um, I think proof of work is great for new currencies that you're trying to issue, but you want to make sure that you're not using an algorithm like SHA-256 that it could very easily, your new currency could get 51% attack with one big mining pool that comes over. Like I know it happened with Ethereum Classic and a bunch of these currencies, I think Bitcoin or whatever, a bunch of these things where they have a algorithm that they're using to secure their network that already, that is like a very saturated market. So somebody could come in, switch over their power to this thing, attack it, and then it's fucked. So in that that regard, maybe you'd have to... Admonish a new currency to have something like a, like a new. I mean, you never want to really roll your own crypto, is something they also say. So it's kind of a it's kind of a a quandary.
2: It's a little. It's of- very much a catch twenty two, and there's new algorithms coming out all the time that try and prevent uh, different things from gaining control. I know, like for example, Komodo has their own proof of work. And then it does a, another verification on the Bitcoin network. Oh, yeah. Merge oh, yeah. mining. It takes yeah. that result, and then it comes right back to the Komodo, and it has to do it again. So it has this three-layer protection. And then Eternity has cuckoo cycles, and that um, basically does hashing with uh, computer memory instead of CPUs or GPUs. So that's really interesting. Uh, there's all these different ways that people are coming out with to try and make mining fair, and protect themselves against being 51% attacked. And it's really neat to see the different ideas people come up with.
1: I also you know, think the, the the 51% attack protection, uh, I think in many ways comes from the game theoretic parts of it. Um, it's 51 uh, percent attacking Bitcoin right now is a great way to waste a lot of money and probably accomplish nothing
0: yeah, and then the, pe- the people that do 51% attack it, it's like a, it's, they 51% attack it and then they get all this Bitcoin and then people lose faith in the Bitcoin network and start selling off. So the assets that they just hacked essentially are now w- worth a lot less and trending towards worthless, right? Because people lose trust in the system and you brought that upon yourself.
1: Yeah, and, and, and essentially it, it can all be known and uh, people can essentially move over to the correct chain. Uh, away from the chain that was changed uh yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's all quite public and you know i don't think uh you know if, if uh bitcoin was 51 percent attacked uh, people would just you know there would be consensus around moving to a to a different chain uh, yeah and it's just a it's it's a lot of money you have to spend millions if not tens of millions of dollars uh to just sort of Uh, hopefully accomplish what you want. You probably devalue the thing that you were attacking. Um, If anything, it would be, uh, if if all you want, if if you want to take a shot at just destroying Bitcoin, um, you might want to throw all your money away. Uh, But sort of taking it over and taking all the monies is, uh, I think, not 51% attacking is not likely to happen.
2: No, with all the hash rate being at an all-time high, like you said, it's very, very hard to scale up There's just no way it could be possible. You know it's at an all-time low for hash rate right now, and that's Bitcoin SV. So if you ever wanted a 51% attack Bitcoin SV,
0: uh, now would be the time to do it. Not an encouragement, just a stating data. Yeah, so before we let you go, Farboud, uh, we've got one final question. It's our favorite question to ask every single person that comes on Crypto 101. And the question is this. Of everybody in the cryptocurrency space, all the geniuses, all the crazies, all your friends, all your business partners, all your perhaps nemesis. Who is one person that you really admire and why?
1: Uh, yeah, the uh, the answer would be uh, probably Balaji And I'm not going to say Satoshi uh, because I don't I don't know Satoshi. And
0: we can't ta- we can't tag Satoshi in a Twitter post either.
1: <laughs> it would be it would be Balaji. I, I you know. He, he knows a ton. I've learned a ton from him. And I think you know, part of the reason is somewhat self-serving in the sense that I, 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 see the, I think you see the, the world similarly with regards to crypto and, and Bitcoin. So uh, having someone who you have a similar worldview, uh, but also knows so much uh, and you know, you can learn from and, 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 and think through things together uh, it is really a special thing. So uh, that's really been an awesome thing to be able to,
0: to have. Awesome. Well, that's a, that's a great shout out. Uh, we'll make sure he hears that. Um, Farboo, thank you for taking the time and joining us. This has been a true pleasure. And, and all the Crusaders here at Crypt Nation are going to be very pleased to listen to this. Um, and again, thank you for contributing the coin mine for the giveaway. Sure. Uh, this is going to be really exciting. We're going to announce the winner here on the Crypto 101 podcast. Right. Tell them one more time what they have to do to qualify. Now that the episode's over and they can go do it. Absolutely. So yeah, so guys, real quick, you're going to go to crypto101podcast.com slash giveaway. You're going to sign up, you know, shoot, shoot over your email. Um, and then we're going to also make sure that you're following us on Twitter and joining our Facebook group. Um, so if you have those three items checked, you are eligible. And the winner is going to be announced in exactly one week from the airing of this podcast. Farboud, thank you so much. You've been amazing, and hopefully we see you around soon.
1: Awesome. Thanks a lot for having me. i love that.
0: Take it easy. Crypt Nation, before you guys get out of here, don't forget to go to www.crypto2020summit.com and claim your free ticket to the biggest conference in crypto in blockchain history. It's going to be insane. Uh, you guys could watch it from the comfort of your own home and your little PJs drinking your coffee. As you probably already know, the dates are January 29th to 31st, and we hope to see you all there.